0: Well, the free agent frenzy the past couple of weeks got us thinking, who are the best free agent signings in Nashville Predators history? That question also got us thinking again, who are the worst free agent signings in Nashville Predators history? We did research. We put together our definitive list. So today we're bringing you the top five best and the top five worst free agent signings in Nashville Predators history. That's today on a special Locked on Predators podcast. Your Locked On Predators, your daily podcast on the Nashville Predators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Predators your first listen of the day. I'm Nick Morgan. I'm a writer and editor at the Normally I have a partner in crime, Ann Kimmel, but she is on vacation this week. Uh, yeah, the big story around the NHL has been free agency. Lots of crazy stuff has gone on already. Some free agency, some trades. Um, the Nashville Predators made a couple of moves. Nino Niederreiter and a lot of depth moves. That got us thinking about some of the biggest hits and misses in Nashville Predators' free agency history. So today, we put together our top five lists for both best and worst free agency signings in team history. Uh, These are guys that came in from other teams as unrestricted free agents. Um, So it's not going to be a situation where they... Trade and then sign. So, congratulations, Kyle Turris and Hal Gill here off the hook. No, these are guys that the Preds brought in from other teams to kind of make an instant impact. uh So, without further ado, let's begin our list, shall we? Let's kick things off with the top five best. Number five best. I'm going to highlight a guy who I think is one of the most underrated Preds in team history and maybe the best one-and-done signing, one-and-done season of all-time for the team. And that's Yannick Perot. Yannick Perot is my number five best. Uh, He signed a one-year deal worth $525,000 after the 2005 lockout. Yeah, imagine uh, that's way below what the league minimum is right now. So imagine getting a guy who was a pretty good two-way center, for a very long time, he was had the reputation uh, as a great kind of two way forward. Had some great years with the Kings, Canadians, and Maple Leafs, but uh, a lot of teams were hesitant to sign him. A because this was the off season where the like the cap first came in. The cap was only about forty million dollars. Yeah, imagine trying to build a team now with that cap. Um, and also, unlike some other players, he actually sat out the entire like lockout season. Like he didn't go play like overseas and the minors, anything like that, like a lot of other players did. So he was a little bit rusty. Uh, The Preds took a chance and yeah, it it worked out. Uh, The Preds basically made him the number one center. He wound up being right between Steve Sullivan and another guy on the list, which we're definitely going to talk to um, and help facilitate some pretty good seasons for both guys uh pro himself he had a career season 57 points in 69 games which is a career high uh it's a shame he kind of got dinged up as the season uh went on like towards the end he only played one playoff game um unfortunately but Uh, this is a good value signing. Like when you think of value signing, you can't think of maybe a better one and done season than Yannick Perot had. Um, The Preds didn't re-sign him after that season. Uh, They decided to maybe get more aggressive into bringing in somebody who maybe has a little bit more longevity, somebody who might appear on this list here in a little bit. Um, He signed with Phoenix and actually made the all-star team next year so yeah Yannick Perot one-year deal $525,000 and he winds up being your number one center imagine like just bringing in a veteran for like the league minimum and he becomes your number one playmaking guy not bad all right, let's get to the number five worst. All right, so we're going to alternate between best and worst here. Uh, for the number five worst, I debated between a few guys. I think the top four are pretty obvious. Uh, number five was kind of hard to place. Uh, I've thought very strongly about putting David Riddick in there. Uh, also, Derek Waugh and Stu Grimson are a couple of people uh, that I considered maybe making this list. But instead, I think they get beat out for worst contract by Ole Jokinen. Yeah, you talk about a veteran center in Yannick Perot that the Preds brought in and hit a home run out of. Couldn't find the same magic with Oli Jokinen. Uh, one year deal worth $2.5 million in the summer of 2014. All right. Now, as a caveat, yeah, Jokinen was kind of in the twilight of his career. He was a far cry from the guy who once scored 91 points in the season. But there was still some left in the tank there. He had 43 points the season before in Winnipeg. So the Preds thought, you know, come in, at least be like the number two, number three guy, add some decent depth scoring. And then, uh, yeah, like kind of help the up and coming Philip Forsberg, Craig Smith, a couple of those younger players really start to find their game. Um, Instead, it was a unmitigated disaster. Uh, and I feel bad cause I really like Oli Yogan both as a player and as a person, but you could just tell whenever he stepped in the ice for the Nashville predators, that it looked like he was going at tops, like at half speed. Um, like he noticeably had lost a step. Um, he was getting beat to a lot of pucks, kind of sort of looked like a liability out there. Um, and part of that was injury too. Of course he had some health problems with Nashville, um, you know, and, and really couldn't find, Um, consistency in that regard but he only finished with nine or six points six points three goals three assists that was all he finished the season with for the Nashville Predators and yeah if you're paying a guy who scored 43 points the season before two and a half million to at least get some depth scoring like even like 20 points. Like if you can get to like double digit goals and double digit assists, like it seems like you're doing your job. Um, But unfortunately the Preds couldn't get that out of Oli, which sucks because everybody really likes Oli Jokinen. Uh, So the Preds wound up trading him in the trade for Mike Santorelli and Cody Franzen because let's just have a bad move made worse by an ensuing trade. Um, And then Toronto traded him after a couple of games to St. Louis where he actually looked kind of good before an injury ended his season. He wound up retiring uh, just to kind of rest his little injury laden heart. Um, Yeah. How about a pallet cleanser after that? Let's go to the number four best free agency signing of all time. This guy, is one of my favorite players in team history and somebody I don't think is talked enough. Um, Mainly because I think a lot of like the newer fans to the franchise didn't get a chance to see him play with Nashville. I'm talking about Joel Ward. Joel Ward is my number four best free agent signing for the Nashville Predators. Uh, Everybody, you know, who loves Joel Ward knows his story Uh, undrafted played college hockey in Canada. Not like the U S colleges where, you know, you're kind of a step away from the NHL. This guy was a Canadian collegiate player wound up getting a chance in the minors became a pretty good AHL player for the Minnesota wild. and actually was called up for a few games the year before, Um, but was definitely, you know, kind of an afterthought in the franchise the Preds signed him to a one-year $500,000 deal in 2008 now when the signing happened everybody thought this was a Milwaukee Admirals deal that they signed uh some death pieces in Milwaukee and to be fair yeah that was that was pretty much what David Poyle was thinking when he brought Joe Ward in instead by all accounts He had one of the most impressive free agent or training camps, individual training camps uh, among like Nashville minor league guys, like one of the best camps in team history. Uh, And he wound up making the team out of training camp, like beating out the guy that everybody thought was going to take that spot, which was Patrick Hornquist. Um, And yeah, a lot of people thought he would just kind of be like a depth guy, maybe an extra forward, you know, kind of like the Michael McCarron, Mike Luff of this past year. Instead, boy, he came out of nowhere. First season with the Preds, Ward scored 17 goals and 18 assists. This was a guy that a lot of people thought was going to come in to be a minor league Milwaukee guy. Instead, he gets 35 points his first season. He became a key contributor both on the Predators power play and on the penalty kill. like uh, The great like chase guy on that line. Fantastic, And the Preds actually rewarded him with an extension, uh, a two-year extension with a pretty good raise, and Ward followed it up with two more solid scoring seasons. But the Magna Carta for Joel Ward, like his Picasso, that was the 2011 playoffs. Now, that was the first year the Preds got out of the first round. 13 points in 12 games. Like, he was one of the Preds' best players he made he scored a bunch of key goals set up a lot of key plays uh was like all over the Canucks. like you can tell like whenever he was on the ice like the canucks tensed up a little bit uh, in that second round even though they wound up winning the series and moving on to the stanley cup final like the preds put some scare into them and a lot of that was because joel ward was on his business um the only downside with that of course is that joel ward played himself out of the Predators price range. He wound up signing a big money deal with the Washington Capitals the next offseason. There was kind of a lot going on in that 2011 Predators offseason. So they just couldn't afford uh, giving him that kind of deal, but still to this day, a fan favorite in Smashville, one of my personal favorite players of all time. Let's get to the number five or number four worst. Um, I think the top four, are going to be pretty obvious uh, for longtime Preds fans. Number four, worst, Eric Nystrom. Yeah, remember Eric Nystrom? He signed a four year deal worth $10 million uh, right before the 2013 2014 season. Now, this was this deal raised eyebrows at the time. Now, as a depth guy, fine. Eric Nystrom had a reputation as a good penalty-killing forward. Someone with a lot of grit. He checked. He blocked shots. Good forechecker. checker. You know, John Hines would be all over him with the identity talk. Um, but the contract, yeah, that was kind of an overpay even back then. Now, here's the one thing that gets Nystrom a little bit of slack. His first year with the Preds was actually not bad. Like he scored 15 goals, uh, which is pretty much pretty good for a fourth line guy. Like you can't ask for a much better season than a guy who's playing like 12 minutes a game, um, and he scored four goals in a game, which at the time was the Preds' record uh, before Rocco Grimaldi and Philip Forsberg tied that in the past two years, which was still hilarious. Fun fact about that game: the Preds actually lost that game five to four. So Eric Nyström scored all four goals in a Predators 5-4 loss. Let that sink in. Uh, Unfortunately, the deal fizzled as time went on the next season, which was the season the Preds kind of got back into contendership. uh, He started losing ice time. Guys like Taylor Beck really stepped up. And the rising Cali Yarncroke kind of cemented his spot as back then sort of a bottom-line grinder guy. Um, He didn't play in the playoffs at all in year two. Uh, And unfortunately by year three of that four year deal, he was pretty much a non-factor only played 47 games. And at one point was sent to Milwaukee. Uh, The Predators bought him out after year three. uh, So he didn't even make it to the end of his contract. Um, And yeah, he wound up suing the team in 2017 for workman's comp. Yeah. I I guess that's, that's a loss for the Predators all around. All right. Well, in a second, we're going to reveal our number three best and our number three worst free agent signings. Still got a lot of lists left. Uh, before that, we do that though, I want to mention today's show brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor indulgent cookie dough. That's right, Built Bar's done it again. Uh, cookie dough chunk puffs have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and like all Bill Bars, covered in 100% real chocolate. But it's not a like, a like a treat or anything like that. They're healthy. Cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories, and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. So run to built.com to snag a box for you and your family. Get the perfect, healthy treat. Like all Built Bars, the new cookie dough chunk puff is covered in 100% real chocolate, which means it's healthy and tasty. And it's made with collagen protein, which means your body absorbs it more efficiently and provides tons of other health benefits. So eat something that tastes good and is good for you. And of course, there's plenty of other flavors too, like cinnamon churro puffs, uh, the new mud pie puffs, and classic flavors like cherry barcia, coconut brownie, uh, peanut butter brownie, Many, many more. So go to built.com and check out some of your favorite flavors. Use promo code LOCK15 while you're there to get 15% off your order. Again, promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. All right. Back to the list. Our number three best free agent signings in Nashville Predators history. Guys, I cheated a little bit. This is a duo. Uh, just because I couldn't figure out where to put them on the list. Like who was ahead of who and their stories with Nashville are so intertwined that it felt like a disservice not to put them together. And I'm talking about Jason Arnett and JP Dumont. Uh, like I said, their stories kind of became the same. They signed the exact same summer uh, Arnett scored a five year deal worth four point five million per year, Doom on a two- year deal worth two and a quarter million dollars a year. Um, two different kind of stories coming in. Arnett already had a ton of experience. had the reputation as being a very, very great NHL player. Uh, he, of course, was the guy who got the Stanley Cup winning goal for the New Jersey Devils back in the year two thousand. So he had that working for him.. Um, yeah, and then J.P. Dumont was kind of an underrated depth score. Like, he had a lot of great seasons with the Buffalo Sabres, was a cornerstone on some of their best teams, the Dominic Koshik teams. Um, and then they came into Nashville and, yeah, pretty much uh, did exactly what the Predators thought they were going to do. Uh, JT J.P. Dumont on that top line, uh, 66 points in his first season, which was 06-07. Uh, Jason Arnett, 54 points in 06-07. He was battling some injuries. Um, but yeah, both were very solid players and what's still like before 2018 may have been the best Predators team on paper of all time. I mean, there is a lot of A-plus talent on that 06-07 team. Now, where their story really kicks off though to me is the 07-08 season. Now, of course, that was the year that a lot of people picked the Predators to be dead last. That was the summer after the ownership strife. A lot of people thought the Preds were going to move to Hamilton, Ontario for a little bit. Um, And so basically, the team went into fire sale mode, lost a lot of their key guys, traded away more key guys, some franchise cornerstones. But Dumont and Arnett stayed and carried the torch. Both of them, 72 points that season they almost single-handedly kept the Predators in the fight and propelled them to the postseason uh their leadership was very underrated in a the team they had Alexander Radiloff on their line you know kind of had to mentor him which wasn't an easy task uh they also had like up-and-coming stars like that was the first year Shea Weber really broke into the league Um, you know you also had Ryan Suter back there um, some other younger players on the team and they did a great job of kind of commanding that locker room mentoring everybody Uh, and yeah that's that was kind of their big year was 07 08 Um, the next year Arnett had 33 goals in 2009, which was a career high for him. Uh, Dumont had 65 points next year. That was the year the Predators missed the postseason. Um, One of only three times since the 2004 season that the Predators have missed the postseason, which is another fun fact. Um, And yeah, they took a step back the next couple of years. Uh, Arnett got traded. Dumont got released after a bad year in 2011. But when you go back, And just look at their value during their prime years in Nashville, like the 07 season to like the 09, 010 season. Like these were exactly the kind of players you were hoping to get if you're the Nashville Predators. Good veteran guys that kind of commanded the locker room for a young team, still trying to develop some of their younger stars. And you carried the torch to the scoring. You gave the Predators a legitimate – top line scoring threat that was exactly what they did and Jason Arn and JP Dumont still two of the best predators of all time and number three on our list of best free agent signings all right number three worst free agent signings and uh to be fair this is a guy that a lot of people would have as a consensus number one on the list and I'm going to tell you why he's number three in my book I'm talking about Matthew Lombardi. Uh, he signed in the summer of 2010 a three-year deal worth 10.5 million overall. He played two games, two games for the Nashville Predators. Uh, now, a lot of people would say this is by far the worst free agency signing the Predators have ever done, but the reason I cut Lombardi a little bit of slack is that it wasn't really his fault uh, in his second game of the season with Nashville, which is second game overall uh, wound up getting rocked uh, by a Chicago Blackhawks player wound up getting a bad concussion and missed the rest of the season. Um, so yeah, kind of a sad story there in the off season, um the Predators this was again the summer of 2011 where the Preds had a lot going on uh they had the Shea Weber um you know the arbitration fiasco and they were also trying to get new contracts for both Pekka Rene and Ryan Suter one of them worked out all right uh and so the Predators needed to clear some space and traded Lombardi uh along with Cody Franson who also needed a new deal To Toronto, it was basically a cap dump. So the tenure, I don't really blame Matthew Lombardi. And the reason I also have it as number three and not maybe higher on the worst list is because you could justify the deal. Like Matthew Lombardi was a really good two-way player. He averaged about 20 minutes a game with the... uh, phoenix coyotes because they were phoenix back then and he had 53 points the year before so he was exactly what the predators were trying to get like a very good number two center to set up some guys and to be fair like he recovered from his injury came back the following year and was actually pretty decent like you know obviously that that cut his career short the concussion problems but he did have some pretty good years after that so for me yeah, it's a bad year. Like it looks bad when you sign a three-year deal worth 10.5 million dollars and your guy only winds up playing two games. But the reason it's lower on the list is because I think a lot of the flame out had to do with circumstance and wasn't exactly any fault of Matthew Lombardi or the preds, to be honest. Um, their preds were just it just kind of wound up being an unfortunate situation with the concussion. Uh, but luckily you know Lombardi wound up bouncing back the next year all right let's get to the number two best shall we Mm, yeah let's do it number two best Matt Duchesne kind of crazy right like this would have been if we did this list last year he may have been a strong contender for number one worst but hey one good year can change everything. Of course, everybody knows Matt Duchesne signed a seven-year deal worth $8 million AAV back in the summer of 2019. Uh, arguably, like, maybe the most lucrative, actually, definitely the most lucrative free agents the Predators have ever brought in. Uh, was okay in the, in the 2020 season, 42 points in 66 games, like, definitely not what people were expecting but hey that was the peter laviolette john Hines situation and nobody on the team was doing anything that good uh 13 points in 2021 is when people started to panic a little bit uh of course we know he was left unprotected on the expansion list when seattle drafted seattle famously didn't want him they passed on him and then came this past season And the reason Matt Duchesne has probably locked himself into the Preds history books, 43 goals, a team record for most in the year. He beat Philip Forsberg in that race and 86 points, which if not for Roman Yossi this year, would have broken Paul Correa's record for most all time. He's now second on that list um and yeah i think with matt duchene there's still a lot left on this tank so i'm gonna go ahead and call like maybe he slides down a little bit on this list as his career goes on who knows but look matt duchene's 31 years old he's still got a good few good years left in his prime and with philip forsberg back on the other side of his wing he's expected to be another top guy roman yossi of course still on his prime I think we're still going to see a few more really good years out of Matt Duchesne. And I think that's what locks him into the number two spot for best free agency signing of all time. Let's get to the number two worst. This is Matt Hendricks, a guy a lot of people forgot even played for the Predators, but he signed a four year deal worth, $1.85 $1.85 million a year. Let's put that in perspective. You know, we said like Lombardi got a big contract and only played two games, but at least he had like good seasons the year before. Here was Matt Hendricks. Poyle gave him a four-year deal and a million dollar raise to a guy that had eight points the season before. And for those of you thinking, yeah, okay, it was the lockout shortened season, there's probably a smaller sample size. Okay, that's fine. Uh, The previous year, in which he played 80 games, 78 games, he had nine points. Yeah, fine, whatever. Let's give that guy four years of term. Why not? Um, Look, Matt Hendricks is a good guy, but this deal worked out exactly how you thought it would coming in. Uh, Through 44 games, he only had four points, And, you know, he was known as kind of a grindy guy, like a defensive guy. Yeah, that wasn't there either. Uh, He wound up only averaging about 11 minutes a game. The Predators couldn't really trust him with putting on the ice. That was the the Barry Trotz era. Um, And he just didn't really fit in at all with the Nashville Predators. Uh, And so not even a full year into the four-year deal they gave Matt Hendricks, the Predators kicked away. They punted. They traded him in January to the Edmonton Oilers for Devin Dubnik. No, another great piece of history in Preds lore, Devin Dubnik. I'm sure he'll come up in lists later. Um, yeah, and it was it was just an example of the Predators maybe overpaying, like Nystrom, for a guy that really didn't deserve, you know, didn't really show anything in, in terms of earning a four-year contract. Like you sign that to like your depth guys or like maybe your number three guys, I get it. But for a guy that scored eight points the previous season, like that's a, that is a weird, weird deal. Like a very weird deal. Uh, and in my opinion, the number two worst deal, which means, yeah, there's one worse. All right, so we're down to our final list. Who is the number one? best free agent signing in Pred's history and who is the number one worst. Gonna to get to that in a second, but first wanna make sure that you guys are aware of locked on NHL. Our locked on experts give you a daily 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all year long everything to the big signings to predictions for next year uh even a little bit of fantasy advice so you're going to want to make sure you stay up on everything in the hockey world locked on nhl is your daily 30 minute nhl podcast and a great way to keep up to date with other teams around the league all right in the spirit of my dear partner in crime and kimmel let's be optimists. let's flip it a little bit let's get start with the number one worst free agent signing of all time and save the number one best for last. So we can end on a high note. Number one worst, this is something I think maybe a lot of people predicted going in. Number one worst, Victor Stahlberg, uh, who at the time was one of the most lucrative free agent signings the team had ever made. Signed a four year deal worth 12 million dollars um and here's a fun fact for you victor Stahlberg, matt hendricks who was the number two on this list and eric nystrom number four on this list they were all signed the exact same day like the exact same day the predators made three of the five worst free agent signings of all time like imagine that summer yeah, no wonder David Poyle has some PTSD from bringing in big-name players. Uh, the story with Victor Stahlberg is he was the other guy uh, with Taze and Kane in Chicago. Uh, he was kind of like the the chase car, like the big physical guy. Like, you could tell they were definitely trying to replicate what Thomas Holmstrom was to the Red Wings back when they had Zetterberg and Datsuk. Uh, And it, you know, was fine for Chicago, Uh, he had 43 points in 2012, but the thing is the next year, the wheels fell off a little bit. Um, Brian Bickle took over that role and yeah, Victor Salberg kind of fell down the lineup card a little bit and only 23 points. And you know how like, like okay players have like a wild out of nowhere playoffs, and, uh, you know, they get rewarded by a big contract that doesn't necessarily work off. We've seen it with a lot of free agents in the past. That wasn't even the case for Victor Stahlberg. He had three points in zero goals in the playoffs the year before. And that was the year the Blackhawks won the Cup. So they played like 20 games that postseason. And he wasn't even like in the conversation for one of their top depth scorers. And he averaged just 10 minutes a game. So, A to give him a four-year deal worth $3 million a year that even at the time was a giant overpay like it's something the Preds shouldn't have even touched and yeah like it crashed and burned in Nashville his first year finished with eight goals and 10 assists in just 12 minutes a game was a liability in a lot of situations. Again, Barry Trotz didn't really trust him to do much, either on the power play or in the penalty kill. He kind of faded into the background. And then, yeah, in year two, he had just two goals, and the Predators sent him to Milwaukee. Like, he spent just as much time as he did in Milwaukee as he did in Nashville. And this was year two of a four-year deal worth $3 million a year. Like the Predators were paying a guy to be a Milwaukee admiral and they paid him $3 million a year to do that. Uh, an absolutely cringe worthy signing. Uh, the Preds bought him out the following summer, bought out the last two years of his contract. And yeah, to me, that's the worst free agent deal in Nashville Predators history. And it's not just, you know, the fact that he crashed and burned, but it's a deal like Hendricks of the Predators really never should have signed in the first place. Like it was an overpay at the time and the Preds wound up getting burned for it in a big way. Uh, Luckily there was a couple, there was another power forward uh, that the Preds would get around that same time by the name of Philip Forsberg who worked out a little bit better. So yay, good, good job number nine. All right. The number one best free agent signing in Nashville Predators history. This to me, also a no-brainer, it's Paul Correa. Like, I I think when we put this list together, you knew off the top of your head it was going to be Paul Correa. Two-year deal, $4.5 million a year. This was, at the time, and a big reason why it's number one, an absolutely franchise-changing free agency signing. Because, look, the Predators had made their first playoff appearance the year before the lockout. Uh, They finally had, you know, some semblance of a pretty good core. But, you know, they were still kind of considered, you know, just a small market team, like a team that free agents weren't exactly piling up to go to. And Paul Correa was one of the most popular and most marketable players in the league. He's a former 100-point scorer. He was the face captain of the Mighty Ducks Cinderella playoff run. Of course, he was, like, very popular among yous, uh, like up-and-coming fans. And so when he signed with Nashville, kind of out of nowhere, and when, you know, he did that press conference, just said, this team looks fun. This is a team I would want to play for. That took the Predators from just kind of a small market novelty expansion team into a team that people around the NHL could actually see was building something special. And we talk about that, you know, being a franchise-changing signing. Like we said, since Paul Correa signed, the Predators have only missed the playoffs three times. And that was more than 15 years ago. So, yeah, you can tell, like, this was something that really gave the Preds some legitimacy. Uh, And, of course, you know, worked out scoring-wise, too. 85 points in 05-06, which we all know, uh, thanks to Roman Yossi this year. Was the team record um, for many, many years, the highest team record, you know, in, in the highest point total in team history, uh, seven points in five points in the playoffs. Uh, and the next year, which was his last year with the team, 76 points, which at the time was the number two best season in Nashville Predators history. Uh, but more importantly, that was the year he kind of helped develop some of the younger players like that was by far. David Leguan's last year. Uh, That was the year that Martin Erat really established himself as somebody who could be a, like a very good top six forward, just not in Washington, apparently. Um, And yeah, like he added so much to that franchise. And of course, like, you know, him coming here and saying like, this is really fun. I want to be a part of that. That opened the door for Jason Arnott to come in the next year. Um, It helped make the Preds a trade destination, obviously Peter Forsberg, came in uh, at the trade deadline after expressing that he'd like to play for Nashville. Um, So yeah, Paul Correa, I think was the trendsetter, that guy that took that first step into saying, you know what, the Preds are a team I really want to be a part of. Um, Of course the relocation drama happened in the summer of 2007 or else Korea probably would have stayed. But you know, what, what can you do the two years Paul Correa gave us um, easily easily puts him in contention for the best free agent signing of all time. Who knows? Like maybe Matt Duchesne will have a couple more good years and surpass him. But I think in terms of historic impact versus it's like on ice performance versus what you do for the franchise moving forward, nobody tops the Paul Correa signing. Still the magnum opus of the Nashville Predators. All right. That's our list. Those are our top five best and top five worst free agents. What do you guys think? Would you have somebody ranked higher or lower? Uh, Is there somebody we forgot that you would like to put on the list? Let us know in the comments, drop us a tweet, anything like that. Um, And yeah, we will be happy to discuss with you in the future. All right, so Ann will be back next week. I will not be. I'll be on vacation, but still plenty of good stuff coming up on the Locked On Predators channel. Uh, plenty of stuff coming up all season long. We'll take a look at some of the other teams in the Central Division, more crossovers, uh, more news for the Nashville Predators fans, all kinds of good stuff. So make sure you're staying tuned. You can find me on Twitter at on that's where you find my work. Whatever. It's Friday. It's been a long day. You can find my work at on Follow me on Twitter at underscore NSMorgan. While you're there, also be sure to follow the podcast, LO underscore Predators. If you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to like the video, subscribe, and leave a comment. It helps other Preds fans find this content. That's going to do it for us today on the Locked on Predators podcast. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day. And we'll be back next week with some all new episodes. See you then.